Welcome to your most favorite fantasy baseball show ever. Under the Radar. Part of the Athletic Fantasy <laughs> Baseball Podcast. Uh, special lockdown edition. I'm here I'm here with my friend and yours, Ian Khan. Hello, my friends. Your friend and your other friend's friend, Derek Van Ryber. If I get a brioche bun on my burger now, is it cannibalism? <laughs> I've not officially voted for the brioche. I still consider you ciabatta. Or Chibalta. Yeah. Chibalta. Chibalta. It's Chibalta. It's Chibalta bread. Rock of Chibalta. Uh, but that is a good question. Um, before we get off on this wonderful show today, uh, we want to thank all the people who've been leaving reviews. Like, for real. Uh, we're going to play a little game later where we make Ian guess if this is a real review or if we made it up. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But uh, shout out to everyone uh, who's leaving the reviews. It actually is very cool to see that people like it. And so we can continue doing this. Uh, and getting weird. You know, people are complaining we'd probably stop and just go boring. So, uh, hooray, huzzah, and thank you. Um, and also, those of you who are listening for free, if you're already not a subscriber, uh, check out theathletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast for 40% off. Um, I put that in the rundown so I wouldn't have to ask DVR for it again. You're a so, pro. Congratulations, me. Um, so let's get into it. On today's show, we are going to get into some uh, spring training performances that may mean something, they may not mean something, uh, but they're interesting players, so we figured we'd be talking about them anyway. This is just a, what we the business call a segue. Actually, I don't think that's what a segue is. I don't know what you call it. A setup. <laughs> so I got like 11 players. I'm going to say we get to eight. Uh, we got an email from Pasta Fazul, Steve Jazul, so we'll get to that. Um, but first, with this coronavirus stuff going on, I wanted to quickly get on this. I thought we were going to spend a little bit of time on this, but in our pre-show text that we were doing last night, Ian kind of convinced me that it might be applicable to everyone listening because everyone has live drafts. So here's the backstory. Uh, Tout Wars, one of the, you know, the biggest, oldest fantasy expert baseball league, brings people in from across the country, even internationally, I guess, if you count Fred Zinke and Chris Liss. Uh, and I, I, so I couldn't play this year. I had my aunt's 70th birthday party on Tout Wars Day. Um, neither here nor there. But I wasn't included on the emails. So maybe Ian and DVR, you guys are playing. Maybe you can give a little more insight in the emails that are going back and forth. But basically, there, there was about a week of uh, back and forth about, you know, people aren't coming in. They're going to be remote drafters. And on Tuesday, they just called the whole thing off as a live event and said, we're going to do it online. And then kind of as a trickle-down effect of that, the GDD League that you hear us talk about a lot, that the three of us are in, live auction, uh, the night before Tau Wars. It's kind of like, a, I don't know, like a fun little warm-up. Um amazing enjoyable experience it was 40 bucks all you could drink plus an appetizer plus an entree which was going to be great um and then it's just like a bunch of cool people who were there alex fast was going to join this year um so anyway and so that they put it to a vote uh the vote for going online won. uh steve asked people just to reply to him and ian replied all so that's that's the latest and greatest but uh Ian, I'll give you the floor on this one uh, because you know I've talked enough to start this show. I, you know, I I, uh, I replied first to Steve, and then Alex Fast, who you mentioned, uh, sent a really good email, and I became as soon as Tout Wars made the shift, and even before Tout Wars, frankly, I was advocating to Steve that I really thought it was a better choice to um, do it online. And you love people. 
You love being around people. I do. But I also, um, and so when Alex, I, when, once Alex put it out there, I thought that because I was the one who originally brought it up, I think, to Steve, I thought it was only fair for me to sort of stick my neck out and sort of say, yeah, Alex, I'm uh, thank you for writing that, and here's my point of view about it. So here's my point of view. Um, you know, it's a very dangerous time that we're in right now where, you know, it is possible, I guess, though all of the scientists and all the people who work for the government are saying that that it's going to be a pandemic. Um, and that it's going to hit and end soon. Uh, it's possible that it won't, okay? So if that does happen, fantastic for everybody. But the reality is that as of now, just one town away from me, I live real close to New Rochelle, that's where all of the virus is, right? And it's spread from one guy to 130 people. And he just was in the same room with them and they got it. And to me, the idea, what, the, what people are telling us to do is to keep social distance from each other to at least keep six feet away from each other um, and to not shake hands and not talk too close because the, the you know, if, if someone gets it who's over the age of 60 years old or has some health problems, they could die. Well, my mother's 72 years old. I have a tremendous amount of contact with my mom. And if I go into this room on Thursday with all my friends who I really want to see because it's really maybe one of the three most fun nights of the year, and one person is sick, and we pass that around to each other. I, I, I just think it's completely irresponsible behavior on our part to do a non-essential get-together at this time. It's just not wise to me. Um, and, and actually, I, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm out. And then this morning, I woke up, and I said to my wife, I was like, can I go? You think I can go? And she was like, you know, I think you can. I think it's okay. And I was like, all right, well, I appreciate that. Because we had just canceled a trip to Costa Rica, which my wife and my older son, uh, my younger son, he's not so, it doesn't matter to him. But my wife and my older son have been planning this trip for almost a year. And I was like, we can't leave the country. Like, you know, it's too risky. It's too dangerous. So then for me to say, even though they're completely different things, it's like, I got to put my money where my mouth is. I, I say we should not be taking unnecessary risks. This is just an unnecessary risk from my perspective. We're drinking, we're eating. You know, you can say that the places are clean and everything else, but I'm not going to restaurants right now. And and it's almost like wartime where like you kind of pitch in and you do your part. And, part. and DVR had a point about this. Part of doing your part is to protect other people. And if well, that's what I liked in your email, in your reply all, was you said something like, uh, be, a good, be a good citizen. It's not yeah. about, I don't care if I get sick. It's, I don't want to pass it on to someone old and then have them. That's right. Including my seriously. mom. Yeah, exactly. My mom's in good health, but she's 72 years old. And if, you know, and look, am I probably going to get something Thursday night at GDD? Probably not. No, probably not. But what if I did? Or even worse, what if I got sick from something else and then I thought that it was that Thursday night? It's like just, you know, it's like, do you want to take Chris Sale in the third round right now? No, it's a risk. It's an unnecessary risk. Don't do it. <laughs> like, just don't do it. So that was. Well, look, my I mean, the difference is coronavirus doesn't have upside. Right. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> yeah. True. True. So anyway, DVR, you had you had a point of view about this as well. But that that that's my point of view about this is let's well, protect I know each what DVR's, other. I don't know what DVR is doing. Like like in Wisconsin. Like I know New York's like the hotbed because everyone's so tightly packed. You're on subways. You can get in an Uber. You don't know who's in there before you. Like, but like up in Wisconsin where it's a little more spread out. Um, like like DVR, do you have like live drafts or auctions? Like, are you are you calling those off because i got another two that are on the brink right now two they're probably gonna get called off so i don't have any live events that are in madison or in this area um, i was thinking about you know if i had a seat at the nfbc events in chicago would i want to draft them online or would i go down there because they have a hotel in the suburbs where they have a conference room and they have a couple live events there 
and I think I would stay away even from there. And I, I think it does come back to what Ian was saying. I was thinking about how something that's kind of selfish, me going and doing something I enjoy, could impact everybody else. I, I could become a carrier. Uh, my father-in-law, who's a big part of our lives, has an autoimmune disorder. So if I come back and he gets the virus from me, like I might be fine. He wouldn't be. Um, so I think about that. I have a, a niece who's eight months old. So I, I don't have the... I guess I didn't have the capacity to self-quarantine in the event that something happened. Um, and again, I think I could use the rational side of my brain, the math side, and say, most likely everything would be fine. But there's no reason for us to take something that we really enjoy and expose everyone around us to unnecessary risk when we can do it online and still have just as much fun. And all we're really trying to do, I think, is preserve normalcy later. You know, We're trying to reduce the likelihood of things getting as bad as they can possibly be. So it's a very small step from a very small number of people, but I think it does ultimately help make a difference. Let me ask your opinion on this, uh, Ian. So I've got a partner, Dane Martinez, and uh, and I, you know, I've kind of blown him off all week, being like, oh, I'm not going into work on Monday. I'm not going to work on Tuesday. Let's do Wednesday. Oh, I don't know Wednesday. So it's it's down to like Thursday. Should should I go in? Should I take the ferry in? Uh, and then walk to somewhere to meet Dane so we can do it together at a place that has Wi-Fi, you know, for five hours. How do we do it? I don't know how we do it together. That's the thing. There's, no, you get on the phone with him. We're going to all be on a Google chat, right? So I can give, because I won the championship two years ago, Cushing won last year. I'm going to hand Cushing the trophy on the Google chat, right? And you be on the phone with Dane. And you don't have to be, you know, you're going to be doing it. Only one of you has control of the auction. It's going to be on CBS, which is actually pretty good for auctions. And you guys just do that. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be, you can be muted on the Google chat. So you want to, you know, make fun of me or DVR or somebody else. See, for me, it was, it was, it was going into a big room of people and, but not even so much that as it is like taking the, like I had to go from 39, well, I got to go from New Jersey, ferry over, and then somehow get to like, what it was like 76th and 2nd. Which I was gonna walk as of yesterday. If this was still on, I'm like, I'm gonna I guess I'm either gonna walk or not show up. Because once I knew DVR canceled his tickets coming in, so I was like, oh, you know, at least one person's gonna have to be online for this. So what's the difference between one and like you know five? Yeah. All right. So actually, it seems like all three of us were on the same page on this. Yeah, I think it we're on the same page. You know, I'd like to see uh, people out there who are listening um, hit up podcast at theathletic.com. Uh, let us know if you would like. I'm just curious. Out of curiosity, I don't know if we'll read them on the show or anything, but I'd actually just like to know like what the rest of the country, like how you're doing this, because I know there are some people who are like very much opposed to canceling these things who still want to come in. Um, our vote was not unanimous for the league. I know that. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, like some people are like you're you're over worried, whatever, whatever. So you know, if you get a shot, if you get a shot, uh, podcasts at theathletic.com. Just shoot us a note and let us know like. Uh, What's happening with you and your league? Like maybe, you know, you're in Ohio. Maybe the, the worry hasn't hit you as badly yet. And also um, we're in New York, you know. And well, that's what I'm I, saying. It's, you know, it's the epicenter. It's not the ep- it's not even the epicenter, but it's, we're so tightly packed that it's so much easier to get something. It's similar to the, the big cities on the West Coast, too. I mean, I, I, I think it'd be if, if Tout Wars drafted in Los Angeles or San Francisco, I think the exact same concerns would be in play for you know the same reasons. And that makes sense. Right. All right. Let's get on some baseball. But I thought that was cool. I thought it was just a cool little thing to talk about for a second because it's it's an interesting time. And maybe people will look back on the show in 30 years and say, that was a, that was an important show they did. <laughs> I want to say one more thing. Just to, Ian wanted to be a hamburger. 
Right. I, I really, you know, I didn't even take the hamburger with cheddar cheese and bacon because, you know, I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that one. I'm just going to do the pure hamburger. I'll have the Ian Khan. I wanted to order myself an Ian Khan. I was very excited. Oh, well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll will, ain't going to happen. Um, but if Tell Wars had drafted live, I probably would have gone because it would have felt more, I, I don't, I'm not sure. No, I, I think I, it would have been trickier. It would have been trickier than just GDD, which is like friends and family. Like Towers is kind of like work in a way. It's awesome yeah. work, but it's like it's kind of part of the job, you know. That well, NFBC it, is still on, right? Yes, yeah, see, I wouldn't do that. I saw the I saw the Razball guys on uh, on Twitter talking about how they're not going and how NFBC was actually very nicely accommodating them to you know set up speakerphones stuff like that. Yeah, they were there, and I thought Tout Wars, uh, you know, I think it was hard for them, and I think that they handled it as well as they could have possibly, I, in my opinion. I thought they handled it wisely and and took care of everybody and heard people's point of view, so tip of the hat to the Tout Wars dudes. All right, on to spring training performances. That might mean uh, something. Let's get back to baseball. Okay, uh, so I got a list of guys who are having very good springs. I don't think I pulled any who are having very bad springs. Wait, look, here's the caveat. We know like a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. It might, but it just, it's a, just nice a, a reason to talk about some of these guys. You know, some of them are in battles for positions. So uh, maybe there's some something we can draw out of this. But let's go. Uh, DVR, I'll start with you. Franklin Barreto has four doubles in 12 games so far. Um, obviously doesn't exactly have a position right now. There's a chance he might. Uh, does this mean anything to you? And is Franklin Barreto anywhere on your radar? He's on my radar because I think he does have a chance to win the starting job uh, at second base. We've seen him strike out eight times in 39 plate appearances this spring. That's kind of the key number because when we've seen Barreto get opportunities in Oakland, which have been kind of few and far between over the better part of three years now, he has struggled to make contact. So, yeah, he might be facing considerably worse pitching so far than he's going to face in the regular season, but it's a, a, an encouraging sign aside from the actual production that we've seen from at the plate too. He basically has to beat out Tony Kemp for the job and Jorge Mateo is kind of in the, the mix there too, but I think Mateo could be the backup to Marcus Simeon. He could be an option in the outfield. Um, generally, I think Barreto fits as more of like a 15-team mixed league dart probably in the after round 25 range. So one of your last five picks. I think he kind of makes sense there. If the playing time doesn't come out the way you hope, then he's an early season cut. But I think he's interesting and it's encouraging to see the K rates down. Ian, where is the uh, DVR's, you know, kind of end of a 15 team league kind of thing. But let's say we're in June. Let's say he wins that job. Uh, and, you know, maybe this is for people who have, you know, the season starts in 15 days. So the first round of fab is going to be pretty soon. After that first week, when guys get out to a hot start and they win jobs, you didn't think they were going to win. Let's say he holds on to that job. He's got a ton of skill. In June, what does Franklin Breda look like? Well, it's possible that he's a really good baseball player. I think back to the Josh Donaldson trade when Donaldson was with the A's and got into that big fight with Billy Bean and ended up getting traded to Toronto. And the main piece coming back was Franklin Barreto. And the idea was that, yeah, you're losing Donaldson, but you're getting a young, studly piece, sort of Marco Luciano-like. I mean, if you look back to where Barreto was three years ago when that trade was made, it was like what Marco Luciano is now. It's like really young, but one day he's going to come up and he's going to really deliver. What DVR is saying is totally true. I mean, he hasn't been able to hit adult pitching. He can only hit minor league pitching. But going back to the freshman-sophomore analogy that we've been using on this show for over a year, he's still just a freshman, and he's got talent. 
the you know I I believe in when prospects are are high on lists. Not that they're always going to come through, but I, I I think he could turn into something significant. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. But I like where DVR said late late twenties as a as a dart throw. How cool was it that Barry Bonds uses the same terminology as freshman, sophomore, juniors graduating in that story as you? I think he he uh, he 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 must be a fan of the show. He's got to be a fan of the show, right? Got to be a fan of the show. Yeah. If you're Barry Bonds, shoot us an email at podcast at theathletic.com. Let us, let us know what's new. How many fake Barry Bonds emails are we going to get now? Yeah. <laughs> hashtag Barry Bonds if you got questions on Twitter this week. Yep. Hashtag Barry Bonds. By the way, hashtag, I saw... Hashtag fake Barry Bonds. I said, I, I saw there's this thing. That, you know that 70s sports uh, Twitter guy who does 70s sports? Um, do you know that one? It's I, I forget what it's called. It's eluded but, me. Um, yeah, Super but, 70 Sports. Yeah, that guy's showing up for his live draft for sure. He's not thinking twice about it. Okay. Um, I don't know about that, but I do know that yesterday he posted uh, Jim Leland chewing Barry Bonds' butt out. Like, you wouldn't, for like a solid minute, saying, I'm the bleeping manager, you know, and, and, and it was like, it was interesting to watch. It was like, oh, that's how you handle Barry Bonds, I guess. Ian, should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame before we get to number two? This is probably a bad question to ask right Ooh. now because I think you have a varied opinion on this, but Ooh. it's the coronavirus <sighs> show. We can do whatever we want. Um, ooh, that's tough, man. All right, I, think I, about it and get back to us by the end of the show. Okay, I will. All right, yeah, yeah was that cool? I, I assumed you would have had an opinion on this by now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, my problem is that before he seemingly was on the drugs he was an amazing baseball player that's my problem with bonds and roger clemens it's like those guys were were transcendent ball players at the time before they you know continued to be that in their late 30s so it's it's tricky that way but i i you know i really don't know i i i punt i punt TBD. okay that's not like you but okay yeah uh Sorry. dvr let's go to you darren ruff hitting 458 <laughs> with your all right laugh but you know what no, your um, boy, your boy. You called this out three weeks ago. Well, I did. Said Grant Brisby actually did. It was, to be fair, I just I just brought to light what Grant Brisby had written. Okay. Um, Darren Ruff is hitting four fifty eight with three home runs, uh, four doubles. I mean, he's. I mean, he, he came back from. I want to say Korea. I think he was playing in Korea, Korea or Japan. He, he was playing overseas somewhere. And I mean, look, the dude was supposed to be someone with the Phillies back in those Ryan Howard days, where he was just completely blocked from playing anywhere. And now he's on a San Francisco team that has changed the dimensions of their park favorably for hitters a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit older, a little bit wiser in some kind of groove. And there's definitely, definitely a path it. to playing time if you're on the Giants. So DVR, Darren Ruff. I don't think this is going to work out. Um, it could, but I don't think it will. I think they have younger, more interesting players that they're going to try and cycle through the outfield. Uh, so I think if it comes down to giving... Is Billy Hamilton one of them? No, I think Jalen Davis is is the guy in particular. Hey, like, you know. Darren Ruff's 33. Like, Does he get a shot to begin the season? Probably. Um, but I think as a right-handed hitter, he might end up on the small side of platoon. I think that makes it really difficult to roster him outside of like NL-only leagues. Uh, if he ends up playing more, then he becomes an early season pickup, potentially. But I just, I don't know. I don't know if you take a 33-year-old guy like that and really want to give him a full season's worth of playing time as more than a part-time player. So I'm not going to take that shot on Darren Ruff unless we're talking about dollar days in an auction or like reserve part of an NL only league. 
All right. Well, thanks for throwing a wet towel on that one. No, no, no. no. Come to me. <laughs> more Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Yeah, let's do it. I, we both, DVR and I both laughed at your ass three weeks ago. Darren Ruff. Are you kidding? Oh, Nando. <laughs> There's another Nando. Oh, Nando being again. Nando. Yeah. He's hitting 458 with three home runs and four doubles. He's not a freshman anymore. He's, here's what I'll say. He could have a little Eric Thames run. Remember when Eric Thames came over? Yes. And he came back and he had that, uh, <laughs> he had that month where he went nuts. And if you then picked him up and then traded him right away, um, you could get almost anybody because he looked like a monster. I could see Darren Ruff having about a month like that. Um, but then they're going to have to adjust to how they're pitching to him. And then he's going to have to adjust to that. I do think long term that DVR is right, that this is not go- he's not going to be a starting outfielder on a regular basis. But I th- look 458 with three home runs uh, means a little something to me. I know it's spring training, but I, I care more about spring training than most. Um, so I, if we, if I laughed at you three weeks ago, I'm not laughing now. Well, I'm it wasn't not me. Though. It wasn't me. It was, this was yep. Ram Prisby, and I was just yeah, I was right. relaying the information. I don't I understand. Wanna, well, I don't want but, people to think like uh, in a good, in a favorable light about me that I'm like I called Darren Ruff three weeks ago. Yeah, I but no, you did because stop because you did because you at least neither Derek even if Grant had brought it up, Derek and I would never have brought it up. Never. Because we would have gone, what a joke. Forget that. That's not going to happen. And you did. This is part of what you bring to the table. And I'm just sort of saying, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my nose aware to Darren Ruff right now. I'm not, you know, I think it's the same level. But in the reserve round of an NL only, I could take him and see what's going to happen. Who knows? Maybe he hits 25 ever, home runs. Did you guys ever look at his minor league stats? Yeah, he was great. He was good. Dude, I mean, he, like, so for me, like that 40 double plateau when you're in your early 20s, is where that turns into home runs. He did it twice in 2010 and 2011. In 2012, he hit th- uh, 38 home runs while batting 317 in double-A Redding. I mean, the dude was good. Like, he had a very high batting average. He hit for power. He developed that power uh, in an, like a very natural progression of two seasons of 40 doubles and then an explosion of home runs. Um, he was just blocked, man. Like, he, just, he, he could not get into a position with the Phillies. He played he in the KBO last last three years. Three years ago, he hit 31 home runs with 124 RBIs with a 315 average. 33 home runs, 125 RBIs, 330 average. And then last year, 22 home runs, 101, 292. He's getting good at feeling good about himself, okay? You can build on that. So it's not impossible that there's a spot for him. I think there's nationally not- only, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab him. Go for I, it. I don't know yeah. if I'm going to put a buck on him, but I, you know, reserve... Yeah, I might put a buck on him, and if someone puts him out for a buck, I might be just like, "Oh, guys, I gotta do too. I gotta do too because I love Darren Ruff." <laughs> so do it. You, I might. You you called him out. It's working. So thumbs up. All right, thank you. Uh, moving along, Randy Rosarena, nine walks and a seven oh eight on base percentage. Uh, DVR. I know you've talked about him before. I can't remember if you were just mentioning his name or if you were speaking glowingly or somewhere in between. But I, I associate a Rosarena with you for some reason, and uh, I don't know why. Is that true, or am I making that up? No, I think that's fine. I mean, I think he was great at AA and AAA last year. Showed power, showed speed. Uh, did have a problem getting caught stealing a lot. I think he was 17 for 29 between AA and AAA last year. So might not be getting quite as many green lights in the big leagues once he gets there. The Rays have a type, and he's got plenty of hit tool. It's really just a matter of how much power he's going to get to. Playing time is a short-term concern, but I think 
there's a reason why they acquired him, and I generally trust the Rays' judgment. So it's just a matter of time. Like when when do you guys think he's actually going to have a spot to call his own? When you look at how they're currently built, I mean, they have the Kiermaier Margot platoon covering one spot. Austin Meadows has a spot, and probably Hunter Renfro has a spot in right with occasional. You know, some lefty bat sneaking out there. Maybe Satsugo goes out there, or Meadows plays right, Satsugo plays left, something like that, right? Like, is he one injury away from getting a shot to be a regular? I mean, he switch hits, and he can handle all three outfield spots, so I think he's got a lot of paths, but right now they're blocked. I actually have no idea. I don't like messing with these teams. Yeah, I don't like messing with these teams either, but I, I do like a Rosarena. And especially about Brian O'Grady. You left out Brian O'Grady too, by the way. <laughs> I wasn't really <laughs> wasn't trying to do that. I think <laughs> it, it well it's a question, like if if there's a regular spot that opens up, do they prefer O'Grady or do they prefer a Rosarena? Like I don't know. If Margot if Margot blows, a Rosarena could find some spots. If Renfro struggles, or Rosarena can find some spots. He's a he's a good AL only play, uh, for sure. Good twenty team dynasty play. Good for the minor leagues for sure. It's a good player, you know? And you said something, DVR, about when the Rays go trade for somebody you like them. I remember last year, right before when they traded Jake Bowers, there was a feeling for me, I was like, well Jake Bowers must not be very good if they're trading him. <laughs> right. You know? So if a ro- and he wasn't very good. Wait, how do you feel so, about that now? I actually, let's stop on J- Jake Bowers isn't on our list, but he's been bugging me a lot this year. And that like I, I want to embrace him fully and be like, yeah, Jake Bowers, sophomore sensation, who everyone forgot about because they all loved him last year, um, and now everyone's just ignoring him. And it looks like he's got uh, you know somewhat of a path to a, a role. Uh, are you just are you down on him? In are you out? I, I'm not. I, I, I'm somebody else is more in. You know, um, somebody else has somebody you know, Oscar else really. Mercado? Or do you mean someone else for you? Like when someone else? Yeah, like someone else is going to pay more for Jake Bowers than I'm going to pay at an auction, and I'm not going to draft him. So I guess I'm out. I mean, but but it's that it's that idea that the Rays are getting if the Rays are trading a guy, he's probably not as good, you know. I and guess. if the Rays are trading for somebody, they're pretty smart. Mm. Uh, I got an under the radar guy for you in the Cleveland outfield. If you guys want one, yes, please. I think Daniel Johnson is going to be useful at some point this season. Probably not a guy that you know, breaks camp with the team, but he's a lefty. He's got speed, gets on base a little bit. Had a nice year at AAA last season or most of last season. He played 84 games there. I don't think it's long before he has a spot. Uh, he's become a top 100 prospect on some lists. I think there's definitely a little bit of appeal with what he brings to the table, and especially in, in a landscape where stolen bases are, are difficult to come by. I mean, this is a guy who could actually end up being a pretty nice contributor there. He also had problems getting caught stealing last year, so uh, that's that's an issue. But it brings power to the table, too. So I think Daniel Johnson's kind of your your sleeper in the Cleveland outfield mix. Can you guys hear the baby? I'm sorry. It's part of coronavirus lockdown fest. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Apologies. No, you know, you're really welcome. Fine. Sometimes it's nice to hear the joy of yeah, absolutely. Life. Yeah, I'll go to the garage in a second. <laughs> you can't really move during the show very easily, can you? Oh, I already moved once, DV. I already even notice it. Stealthy. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So Boom uh, let me ask you this. My problem with the Cleveland outfield is there are too many people in there. And that's that's my problem with Jake Bowers. Isn't that he's not good? It's that Mercado's got a chance. I think Domingo Santana's in the mix now. Um, yeah. Uh, Greg Allen is somehow still floating around there. Like, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. 
Yeah, Jordan Luplo is going to play against lefties right. at least, so he's there. Bradley Zimmer's still around too. I mean, is there any sort of interest on your guys' part in Zimmer as someone who yeah. could finally be healthy? He's only played, I think, nine games so far this spring. He's struck out 10 times in 26 plate appearances, but he's always had tools. Like, again, we're talking end of the draft, maybe not even a 15-team mixed league. Maybe he's just AL only for now and kind of a, a watchless guy for the early part of the season in case an opportunity goes his way. But injuries have just devastated him over the last two seasons now. Both of them, him and his brother Kyle. Yeah, it's bad luck. It's but are they but, brothers? Or are you just saying that they're brothers? They're oh, brothers. I didn't know that. I yeah, they're like a year apart. Um, yeah, the Kyle name. came up. Kyle came <laughs> up first as the fifth pick in the draft out of the Royals. He's never been able to stay healthy. And then Brad came up, and people were like, "You know what? I think the next year, I think he was taken in the first round by the Indians. Maybe the early second. I don't remember exactly." But um, Zimmer was. Huge tools, very fast. I mean, that was the thing about him. Is like if Brad Zimmer, that that's definitely somebody who people should put on their watch list for the beginning of the season. If if Zimmer starts to get some time, because he's going to run, that that young man can fly. But if you're not going to play, does it matter? Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm actually in on Zimmer in that position in the under the radar in that under the radar position. Uh, but who like who loses? Like who's that? Like Delano to Shields? I think a lot of people are assuming he's going to start. I th- I think people think Greg Allen's out, but Roster Resource has him as a starter, and not even as like a platoon. They just got him as oh, I guess he is a platoon. He's red. Uh, but you know, like Framil Reyes. Framil Reyes is going to play. He's a DH though. Friend like Framil Reyes, like, like both Framil Reyes and Domingo Santana are both kind of DHs. So <laughs> one of those two guys has to put on a glove and and go stand in the field. Um, so yeah. you know what stinks, and I want to say sucks. So you know what sucks. That Francisco Lindor is not going to sign a long-term contract with the Cleveland Indians. That sucks. He should be a Cleveland Indian for the for his whole entire career. He's such a great player. He's 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 the face of that franchise. He's everything that you could have hoped for a baseball player to be, and they can't pay him. It's wrong. Yeah, it's just they're, wrong. They're just choosing. They're choosing not to, and that's and that's where my whole Corey Kluber theory of they were really just dumping payroll and taking an offer they liked. They got a reliever who's under control. Good relievers under control cost a lot via trade, so they tried to get out ahead of it because they knew they weren't going to bring Kluber back and they weren't going to give him a qualifying offer even if he was good because they're so frugal. Cleveland fans should drag ownership every single day for not getting this done, and they should just point to what happened in Milwaukee with Yelich signing that extension and say, hey, look, similar size market, they did it. Why can't we do it? Why can't we commit to one of the best players in the game? Top five player in baseball. He wants to be there, too. Like at least publicly, he continues to what say he wants to get? be there. DVR, what did Yelich get? I think with the options or the, how they changed everything, it was like nine for two eleven is what it came out to. Because he, he, he had a few years a, left anyway, so that's it, a bargain, man. Yeah, I think they added seven years for like one eighty eight and point five. Well, he was he was a few years away from free agency, so I get it. So like you know, you, but he wanted to be there. Like and I think Lindor wants to be in Cleveland too. Like so, it's shame. It's gross that ownership Ooh. won't make that happen. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, wow, that's it's gross. I like that. Well, maybe like they'll that. get to the point where no one has the money to sign him, so it'll just create it. Well, that'll actually suck too. <laughs> no, because then he goes. <laughs> he's going to end up with him. the freaking yeah. Yankees, man. And I say that as a Yankee fan, which is stupid. If Francisco Lindor goes to the Yankees, that stinks. That's what if he goes to the Mets? That nah, doesn't stink as bad. That'd be uh, okay. It stinks if so he goes anywhere. He should be in Cleveland for yeah, his he career. He's Cleveland. a franchise player, and he wants yeah, to be I agree. there. Like. He's he's exactly the kind of player you do give the money to. I understand you can't give every player 
a massive contract because eventually you're going to make mistakes and you you will run into a point where you could hurt your team. You're not going to hurt your team giving Frankie Lindor a eight-year, $250 million deal or whatever it is that it's going to take to get it done. It's going to take think- 10 years and $300 million and they should give it to him. Do it. Or 10 years and 330 and they should give it to him. He's the best, man. Yeah, he's a great player. Is he your number one shortstop? Hold on. I, I do have him over Story because I think with Story, oh, yeah. there's some swing and miss in his profile that still worries me a little bit. That's splitting hairs. I mean, Story's a first-rounder, and he gets to play in Colorado, so everything he puts in play gets amplified by Coors. So I'm, I'm Lindor, Story, Turner, I think is how I have them ranked right now, but the difference between any of them is so small that I think you can order them any way you want. But wait, 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 wait. wait. But, oh, yeah, no, wait, wait, but, but wait, Lindor is... I, I wasn't thinking of it from fantasy necessarily. I was thinking it from like baseball. Oh, real life. Thinking, he's the best player of the three. That's not, not, like even, not even close. No, fair enough. Listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's probably fair. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I was talking about was his unique ability as a human being to be the face of a franchise, to be the guy who's always smiling, to play great defense. Like, I mean, I think on the All-Star game last year, wasn't he like wired up for an hour or like for an inning? And it was like, the, I was just like, oh man, I wish I could watch you every day. You may be my favorite baseball player. So, I, I saw that too. I, I had the same reaction. I'm like, this is one of my favorite guys who I should watch play more and who I wish I had on the team I rooted for because yeah, he does everything. He does everything. Hits hits like crazy. Feels like crazy. Runs and is a great leader. Like he, I, there's no there's no shortstop that I'm looking here. Turner, Bregman, Story, Tatis, Bogarts, Torres, VR, Mondesi that I would buy as that I would take remotely close. It goes like for me, it's like Trout one and like maybe Lindor two. I, I, that's how highly I think of Lindor and how foolish and short sighted the Cleveland ownership is. So shame on them. That's fun. I like that. Shame. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay, that was uh, Randy Rosarena. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> uh, look, uh, so, look, we got an email from uh, Steve Zool, um, and we, I want to play, are these real reviews or are they not? Uh, Steve's email is kind of long. I, I was trying to eyeball it really quickly. We guys were wrapping up on Lindor. Um, I don't know if we nice. can shave it down that much, but. Let's hit that real quick, because email is an important part of the show. Um, Ian, you want to do it? I mean, we really can't shave it down, but please. I'll do it fast. Yeah, do uh, it hey, fast. guys, sent a few questions to DVR's favorite podcast. I wanted to spread the love here. Love it. Hmm. Love it. <laughs> I'm in a 14-team 7x7 head-to-head keeper league with four keeper slots. Our keeper rules are a bit different to keep our redraft interesting, which is a big part of the league. Apologies for long explanation rules, but here the context should help. Keeper rules. Cannot keep anyone selected in the first three rounds. That makes sense. Can keep a player three consecutive seasons max, four keeper slots per team. Keeper cost is the current year's ADP plus last year's draft cost divided by two. What? No, I'm not doing that. This year, we're implementing two minor slots for the first time. We're expanding the draft by two rounds for only this season. Oh, but I kind of like roster. that. Actually, I just, that, sorry, that took me a minute to do that math. But so say Explain you got it. a great bargain last year on, uh, I don't know, who's the guy who blew up last? Yon Mancata, right? Okay. So what's you his ADP got him in right ninth. now? Like 60? Yeah, it's about 60. So that's the current year's ADP this year is he's 60. Plus last year's draft cost, which let's say it's a 15 round, so 15, divided by two is seven. 
No, that doesn't make any sense. So it was 67. <laughs> right, sorry, I totally lost that. Okay. but yeah, that it, doesn't it, make sense to me. All right, but okay. So example, I select Joe Adele in the 12th round. If he's in the majors at all this season, his keeper cost would be 12 years, a 12 plus next year's ADP round. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I did figure it out. This year's ADP in terms of rounds. Yeah, it's like four or okay, five. So Makata's a seventh rounder, plus he was a 15th last year. It's 22 divided by two. That's two, 11. so he's 11. Okay, got and it, it would right. burn one year of keeper eligibility to keep him. If he stays in the minors, I can keep him in that minor slot and do not have to burn a year of eligibility to keep him there. Ideally, you have impact guys in those slots, promote them, and then add prospects off the wire. But those top prospects will be hard to come by and will be attractive for selling teams later on. My question is this. What players should I be targeting for my minor slot, and when in the draft should I start thinking about selecting them? Additionally, these slots are new rules we are implementing. If there are any flaws with our new minor slots... That might negatively impact our league. We'd appreciate the feedback. Thanks, Steve G. Hmm. I've, I've heard versions of this question before, and I think maybe it's a widen it out a little bit. Uh, any instance you're a dynasty guy, um, when do you start taking prospects in keeper leagues? Well, you got to. I know it's different gotta, for every league, but like, right, like it's it's a good question. Like, when do you pass up on a on your fourth pitcher for Joe Adele? Then you do that. I mean, I mean for Joe, you know, a limited keeper league. I'm sorry, we play in dynasty. Let's shift it down to like a limited, like three year keepers stuff like that. Well, DVR just did this in the league that we play in that we drafted last week after our last show, where he ended up with Adley Rutschman for three bucks and Andrew Vaughn for three bucks, and then took C.J. Abrams with the first pick in the draft. So DVR, you might have the better answer on this. Yeah, I mean that's a. It's an auction league with a lot more keepers ahead of time. But I guess thinking about it very broadly, handful of keepers already off the board, which is pretty common. That's a normal sort of keeper format. I would probably be thinking after pick 150, around that range, because I think what happens is the player pool has this sort of cliff around 150, pick 200. It doesn't matter anymore. Like You can just take whoever you want, and there's going to be various darts that can fill categorical and positional needs after that that aren't that different from each other. Uh, so I think it comes down to, you know, what point in, at what point in your draft are you comfortable having a player that doesn't help you at all this year, potentially? That's when you start taking your minor leaguers because there's always going to be a Shinsu Chu or uh, in, in the case of pitching, there's always going to be a Josh Lindblom or somebody later on who has a job who you think could be pretty steady and that player is probably not that much different than the pick 200 option that you're considering at that same position. I would go earlier. I would go earlier. I think you can go that. earlier if it's a really high-end player. I mean, Adele right. is like an elite sort of prospect. You can right? take Adele in the seventh. And I also think, though, like you don't want to go too far down the prospect list in a league like this, and you don't want to go too far into the future. Like Jason yes, Dominguez agreed. in the league that Steve G described is a really tough player to roster because you're going to be waiting a few years. That's a long wait for for a guy that should be amazing, but in the event of slower-than-expected development, you might have to wait four or five years instead of two or three, right? Jared so, Kalanick, Wander Franco, these are the guys you can take. Yeah, of course. Guys who are going to be up. Yeah. Guys are going to be up. And Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson's not good. You, know, you, you don't have to treat him minutes. like a keeper. Like You don't have to wait on him at all. Like You can just yeah. treat him like a guy that's going to help you this year. Mackenzie Gore, obviously coming yeah. up really soon. Yeah, because it's really just the time. Actually, I'm rethinking this a little bit. Wait, is Kel- you think really- Kellenick's going to be up? Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt when you guys were, were hashing that out, but you think Kellenick's going to be up? up? I think Kellenick's up in July. I think if he if he continue, if he he continue has a similarly good start 
to the season. And, you know, I think Seattle didn't have that much to play for. Why not have them up playing every day? It'd be something exciting for Seattle fans. There's not much blocking them there. That's interesting. Yeah, I think they, I mean, they signed Evan White to that long-term deal before he even Mm -hmm. debuted. I kind of wonder if if the Mariners believe they could do something similar with both Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick. Uh, Kelnick's a little further along, so, you know, I think there is a chance he debuts late in the year. I asked Corey Brock. He covers the Mariners for The Athletic about it. And he kind of said August at the earliest is a possibility. Um, So, yeah, I think it's like 50-50 that Kellen gets a chance this year. Otherwise, he's one of the first players up in 2021. And the payoff is going to be worth waiting for. He's absolutely in that group of of young players that you would be willing to wait a year for anyway. (laughs) Sorry, Mets fans. Whew. (laughs) Yeah, trade. Tough, tough one, Mets fans. Bad trade. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for the question, Steve G. Uh, before we get back to the players, let's play a quick little game called Is This an Actual Review or Did I Make This Up? Okay. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, DVR is my fave host in all the baseball podcast world. My wife thinks it's a man crush. And hey, so what if it is? DVR, is that real or is that uh, a... Yeah, maybe it's wrong asking you because I'm sure you study these reviews every day. <laughs> I spend hours every night after I'm done this, working, yeah, this one's pr- sifting probably, through the uh, reviews, trying to see if there's any that are specifically complimenting me as opposed to everyone on the shows that I work on. Um, you I, probably have this hanging on your wall in the style of Ian's uh, wood-burning uh, inspirational quotes. I, I've, got a few, I've got a few of those <laughs> on order, but... Uh, <laughs> they work. So I think this one's fake. Uh, I think Fave Host is the giveaway here. I think that's, um, that's Nando writing a review. Guess what? Oh, Ian, what do you think? Uh, I think that that is a true review. Ian's right. Where'd that come Boom. from? iTunes, man. J. Adam Anderson. Thanks a lot. And what's the Marty love? Well, thank you, J. Adam Oh, dude, Anderson. if you, you look at the reviews, like people are calling themselves Marty. They're hashtagging Marty. It's great. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> All because of Marty Decker. Marty Decker. It was a good it's character. Great. Keep fun. it coming. <laughs> I might have to, yeah, that's a fun, fun character. I like that guy. Here's the second one. I only grabbed two, or only grabbed or made up two. Ian Khan is very sharp, but I wish he wasn't so dynasty-focused because IDC, which I don't care, about weird dynasty league quirks since I don't have any dynasty leagues. That is definitely true. That has to be true. DVR, what do you think? I'll say that one's fake as well. Just do that just to even it out and be nice? Yeah. It's true. I told you it was that's true. That's a real one. Yeah, that I one's bet. for real. I appreciate the very sharp. I mean, he could have just been like Ian Khan is a dumb, dumb butt, and uh, and and he just talks too much about dynasty leagues. But I'll try to keep that in mind and not be so dynasty focused. Uh, no, you know, don't change, don't change. No, no, it's okay. I don't mind. He likes you, man. He maybe he'll maybe you talking so much about it will inspire him to play in more dynasty leagues. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Like, yo, whatever your name is, I, I don't. We, you didn't put the name down. Uh, that's from uh, Gino Saris. Gino, Gino, no, Gino. No, I'm just kidding. Check no, I'm See, man, that's why people like the show. You're freaking funny. Um, but I'll tell you this. Check out a Dynasty League. It's a lot of fun. That's all I want to say. Yeah. It's a good thing to do. All right, let's get some more players in before we have to wrap this up. Uh, player number four. Player number four. I said eight. I think we can get to eight. All right. Uh, Chris Davis has walked eight times, hit three home runs, has only struck out twice, and has added 25 pounds of uh, muscle. Ian. Uh, I know you love Chris Davis. Is this, is this a thing? Is this a harbinger of goodness? Can it, this can it be is, a harbinger of goodness? Yeah, sure. Why not? It's, uh, I just thought it was a bad thing, though, being a harbinger. Um, anyway. I, I, I am scared to say 
uh, that I'm getting Chris Davis in almost every league I'm in. I'm grabbing him at the tail end of all drafts. Uh, there's a the Raz Ball best ball. Actually, I don't know if I got him there yet. Uh, but in our uh, keeper league, I picked him up in the reserve round. In a dynasty league, I picked him up. I, 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 yeah, sure, why not? He used to be great. There was three years there where he was Joey Gallo when Joey Gallo was good. And I'm a believer in this. Like, we're, hopefully, we're going to get to Felix Hernandez. But you know, guys who have talent, if they go down for a little while, I do believe if they start showing that they have something, that it could come back. Listen, I'm giving this a 25% chance that this could work. But that's pretty the, high, actually. I would, I would say that's high. Okay, 22% chance. No, 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 no. I'm the, saying, I think for, like, from the general, obviously, I think it's higher. But I think from the general population of people who don't believe in Chris Davis, I think 25% is generous. How about that? I, I, I actually think it could work. I really do. It's all this game is, we talk about this all the time. It's about confidence. And if you, that's why I'm kind of believing Darren Ruff. It's like, hey, if you go spend three years being the best player in baseball in, in Korea, then, or Japan, I, I don't know where he played, but if if he's the best player there, you start to believe that you could really do it. Where are you? I'm going to say he's at 10%. Yeah, I'm probably at closer to 10%. I think it's interesting that Davis isn't just giving up and saying, oh, I can just collect my money, show up, and be terrible. I, I think there's a pride aspect to what he's trying to do. He put on a lot of muscle again this offseason. I was reading a piece that Dan Connolly wrote, uh, and it's interesting because you know I think he still has like a pitch recognition problem, a swing and miss problem, but he had that when he was good. Like he, It's weird to me that he could even add 25 pounds to his frame, it's presumably muscle, according to the article. But uh, I, I'm looking at him as more of an in-season pickup if things start to click, rather than somebody that I must throw a late you, pick on. You will not get him because he's going to explode. So you're saying that Chris Davis is going to go off <laughs> early in the season, and people are going to say 25 percent of my fab budget, Chris Davis. I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think 22 percent chance. 22 percent chance. I think he's been bad enough for long enough where even if he is turning things around the the fab cost will be light. I, I don't think people are going all in on Chris Davis with their budget. They're not no, no, they're not gonna go all in, but neither are you. And what I'm saying is that if you can get him with the twenty eighth round pick in a draft, why not get him there? And then drop him the first week. But How about drop this? him Chris the second week. Chris Davis or Rowdy Telez. Doesn't Chris look Davis. like Rowdy Telez is going to win that job. It does or it doesn't? It does not. There's a lot of Travis Shaw chatter. Oh, Travis Shaw, boy, I know. Uh, yeah, Chris Davis for me. No, but he's the you know he's my twenty third ranked first baseman. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, like I he's. I understand the but, context, but also what I like is he's got nine walks and two strikeouts. He's hitting. I know it's the spring training. It doesn't matter. He's hitting four sixty seven with an OPS of one point six eight two. He's pretty good at least for now. So it's worth the twenty. Like I feel the same way about Felix Hernandez. I picked him in the fortieth round uh, yesterday. Or this morning, rather, in Rasball. 40th round. I'm going to take a chance on it. There was a time where Felix Hernandez was a top five pitcher in baseball. He's not going to be a top five pitcher, but could it be a top 45 pitcher? Maybe. And I'm willing to bet on it in the 40th round. Well, he was number 10 on our list. Sorry. No, it's all right. I just wanted to get there. No, no, I'll just I'll bump someone else. You know, let's go, let's, yeah. let's go Felix Hernandez. Because it's interesting to me that everyone's all over Felix. Oh, he looks amazing. looks amazing. But you know what stands out to me? He's just a 1.98 ERA, 14 strikeouts, and 13 and two-thirds innings. DVR has got a 1.32 whip. That's the part that I look at. And I'm like, oh, there's that. There's what's that blip right there? You know, like what's that little thing up there? That yeah, that scares me a little bit. That definitely doesn't look great. I haven't seen velo readings on him. Like, I think that's kind of the key. Like, is he throwing 
high 80s, low 90s? Like, where's his fastball right now? Because he just got to the point where there was nothing there for him to use 50% of the time. Like, <laughs> it was a pitch that was just wasn't good anymore. I, I'm skeptical. They've got a lot of young pitchers that are knocking on the door for spots. So, you know, if he makes the rotation, how long does he stand if he has a couple of bad starts? This is a team that is trying to win the division. It's a competitive division. The margin for error is pretty slim, even though for a long stretch, he was one of the best pitchers in the game. Can, can yeah, I they, say... There was a, I'm sorry, there, sorry. There was a David O'Brien story uh, three weeks ago, whenever, um, about how they're kind of trying to follow the same mindset and the same steps with Felix Hernandez that they did with, uh, I want to say, Anibal Sanchez. Um guy who had kind of lost his way. They grabbed him, they fixed him up, and, uh, you know, he was amazing. So, I, I, th- I mean, they, they have a track record, I guess. I watched his start the other day, and he he really threw – he pitched five innings, six strikeouts, one walk, and he was just keeping everybody off balance. Now, I get it, like the velocities, he's never going to go back to 97 that he used to throw, but he's a smart pitcher. He looked like the king on that mound – I give this a 17% chance, well, 22% chance of coming oh, come to on. fruition. You, you, can't, you can't tie him and Chris Davis. Yeah, I can't. Make it 22.1 if you want. I need to know which one you're a little more confident in. The people need to know which one you're a little more confident in. Uh, 20, uh, 21.9 for Felix Hernandez, because I think when Cole Hamels comes back, maybe, but, but he could just be, look, in an NL only, I'm taking Felix Hernandez in the reserve round, the last pick of the reserve round, because he's showing him. it. Yeah, he might not. But you I, know what, you I, know, I guess I'm it all hangs him. on the next, his next performance. Well, okay, so here, here's the thing, though. Like, isn't the key to Felix Hernandez, he has this great changeup, even at this point. Right. If you have a great changeup, but you don't have a even passable fastball, you can't really use the changeup that much, right? So even though he's got a lot of different pitches to rely on, like the combination of what he still has doesn't really work all that well. I think the Anibal Sanchez thing is pretty interesting because Sanchez became a flyer. He became an end game sort of guy. He became an early season pickup. Everyone had kind of given up on him. I think it's fair to look at him in that light. I think like what's your best case scenario for you guys? Like if, if it does come back for Felix Hernandez, are we talking four ERA, 125 whip, seven and a half, eight Ks per nine? Because that's like a guy you'd stream at the very least in mixed leagues, even if you wouldn't roster him and, and keep him between starts. Either he, he's going to have a 6.8 ERA and you drop him the first week of April, or he has a 3.6 ERA with a 1.19 whip and a eight, Strikeout per nine inning. How many innings is that? Because I I could see that happening over a hundred innings, like a very very good ERA, um, you know, nice okay strikeouts, whatever whatever the whip is, but over like a hundred and two innings or something like that, and him having spent some time, uh, maybe not exactly injured, but resting a little bit to be effective for the end of the season. Like you lose him for June over the All Star break. He some ball games too. It's a good team. It's a really good baseball team. So. You know, he can pitch. I was impressed that he pitched five innings. And just watch the film from the other day. He just looked like he looked like he ha- he looked like he was going to succeed, which is one of the cool things about him. Even his last year in Seattle, where he still looked like he was going to succeed, even though he was getting, you know, ex- bombed everywhere. He he still looks like he can do it. I mean, again, this is the 29th round, but that's why we're under the radar. This is an under the radar guy that I am picking up wherever I can. I don't think he is anymore. 
you know what? I, I like I don't. I think if he has another even a halfway decent start, because so many people are already buying into this King Felix is amazing and he's back. That as long as he just doesn't get blown up like six runs in anything in a third, I think he's gone into two dollar NL only territory. I don't think you can get him in the reserve. I think you're probably right, and I think I would pay that extra dollar. But I'm also in on Homer Bailey. Go ahead. He wasn't on the list, but please, please proceed, sir. No, no, no. I just mean like it's the same idea for me. It's like there's talent there, and if the talent can be harnessed again, then it can help a fantasy baseball team. Is that like? But I mean. Felix Hernandez was amazing. Homer Bailey, to me, had like a couple good seasons. He, I think he only had like one good season. But <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> I mean, really, trying to be maybe, nice. I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think he had like two good years. I just uh, look. I, I I bought. I buy into the second half last year. He, obviously, the Twins thought enough of him to give him ten million dollars to come pitch for them this year. Um, I, I'm buying into Homer Bailey. I mean, I, for this, you know, he I bought him for three dollars in the AL only. That's what I paid for him. I, I put him up for a buck. Somebody bid two. I went to three. Nobody was bidding anymore. I'm not going uh, to ten. Uh, yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah, for Homer Bailey, especially in American League only. Yeah, three. Um, I got him. Right. I'm happy. Yeah. It's good. I'm happy for you. Thanks, pal. Uh, sure. DVR, how are we doing? Time? I know we started a little late. Uh, so you know it's not the hour yet, right? We're in the fifty seventh minute, but we can we can push like five to ten more minutes. I think. Nice. I got time. I get, well, I got we got to get the Ian special out here. Number okay. five. <laughs> Seven walks, three doubles, and a home run. Uh, many of you who have listened for a while, this is episode number forty. Uh, those of you who listened back in like episode six, seven, eight days, know that Ian is not a fan of Clint Frazier. Uh, nope. DVR stays neutral, and I like him. Um, so this is an interesting one. Seven walks, three doubles, home run, path to playing time, at least for a little while. Ian Kahn, okay, let me ask you this. What does Clint Frazier have to do for you to start believing? Because you're a huge Yankees homer, and it's weird that you don't like him. Well, um, is this what he, he's supposed to do for you to be like, oh, interesting, he's walking? Yeah, he's always been a good hitter, but he can't catch the ball in the outfield. Like he literally, he he. There was a fly ball to left field like three days ago that he just just didn't get underneath, and it just bounced and then went into the stands. And I went, yeah, there you go, Clint. Um, but he's gonna play, and I'm wishing him well, and I'm rooting for him. And let me be wrong, let me be wrong, because the kid could oh, look. The kid came out; he was the fifth pick for the Indians back in with Austin Meadows they were both the Georgia high school kids and they're both up now right and he the kid can hit he always could hit had a great swing great great bat speed really he could be very valuable right now and in fantasy he could be really valuable right now so you know I'm, I'm not going to slam him people have heard me knucklehead him up I'm not going to say that right now because everyone's heard it um, good luck Clint Frazier go go get it and try to get along better with teammates please whoa dude DVR what did you do with the real Ian Khan? The dude, the dude gets one nice review that just says one thing about Dynasty Leagues, and he's humble and doesn't yell anymore about <laughs> What happens? Well, I think this is just necessity right now for the Yankees with the injuries yeah. they've got with Stanton and Judge. I mean, we're going to see Andujar have a spot to call his own right away, which I think was probably going to happen anyway. But Frazier is definitely the guy that was buried when spring training started and now is a big part of the plan at least in the short term. As a big league hitter, 
in parts of three different seasons, he's been a league average hitter. And in that park, the power is going to play up. In that lineup, the run production is going to be there. The flaws for me are that he hasn't drawn nearly as many walks as a big leaguer as he did in the minors. He needs to be more patient, and he needs to get the K rate down. He was at 28.5% last year. He's at 29.4% over the course of parts of those three seasons in the big leagues. So there's still room for growth. And I think this is probably his last prolonged opportunity with the Yankees. Like I think he becomes a guy who gets traded at some point, either later this season or next offseason, if there's no progression either at the plate or in the field. And it could happen anyway. He could hit more and they could say he's still terrible in the field. We don't have room for him as a DH. He's better off somewhere else. But from a fantasy perspective right now, I think at the price, he makes sense. He's deep mixed league viable to begin the season. Uh, Another guy that kind of fits in that 25 to 30 range round wise. Uh, You take him late and just kind of hope that you get some some progress. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Am I the only guy who's like really bullish on Clint Frazier? Although I went back and looked at his minor league stats, and I'm like, all right, they're just, they're, they're okay. I thought they were much better than they were. I don't know why I got that in my head, but uh, you know they're good. They and when the kid gets hot, Nando, when he gets hot, he he can go on a roll. Like there was a week last year where he got hot. He was playing every day, um, and then he started making everybody mad. Well, <laughs> you included. Yeah, pissed, yeah, it made me mad. Right. But uh, but I'm rooting for him, and God bless him, and go go to it, young man. Go go prove go go prove me an idiot. I'm fine with that. It'll help oh, the team. Stop being silly. No, it's true. <laughs> let him uh, let him let him grow up. I'm I'm all for it. So I had some I had some. Obviously, these guys are all interesting, but I, I want to wrap it up with a guy who a lot of people might not have heard of, who might not have even considered before, Nick Goody. Um, yeah, I just sorted by strikeouts and then went across and looked at how many innings these guys had. Uh, Nick Goody's 14 strikeouts and six innings pitched. And I went back to last year's stats. and I'm like, I wonder who's had that, like, not exactly that ratio, but who's had a ton of strikeouts in, you know, not as many innings, um, maybe from a relief role or whatever. And it was Felix Pena, Robbie Ray, Jacob deGrom, Lance Lynn. Anyway, went back and looked. I'm like, I really don't know enough about Nick Goody to really make any kind of decision on him. 2.89 ERA. This is minor league numbers. 2.89 ERA in the minors over 180 and two-third innings. He's actually had 20 saves, 1.19 whip, and a 13.2 strikeout per nine. So he's been striking people out for a while here. Um, I don't know, man. Like, is there, is there something? Nick Goody, Texas Rangers, minor league deal. Uh, you know, I, I know like a guy like Al Melchior loves Jose Leclerc, and like a lot of numbers people love Jose Leclerc, but... Uh, is there maybe American League only deepish speculation on Nick Goody worthy? I mean, he's, it's, these aren't new stats to him. His numbers are pretty good when you take a, a, a deeper look, but he's like on fire right now in spring training. Yeah, he had one really good season in Cleveland back in 2017. 280 ERA, 108 whip, 72 Ks and 54 and two thirds. Strikeouts were there last year, 50 Ks and 40 and two thirds. Had some issues with home runs, like most people. Struggled with control a little bit. So the walk rate was up, but I think that was coming off a pretty significant injury. So I think there's a chance he's actually a, a closer. I mean, the Leclerc for having that long-term deal didn't really get the job back as quickly as people would have expected. He's the guy right now, but I think between Nick Goody and Joely Rodriguez, they have two different guys they could turn to this year in that pen who they didn't have a year ago. And, Either one of Goodyear Rodriguez could just take the job and run with it if Leclerc coughs it up. Nick Goody, uh, are we like 
can we make him our guy, or is someone else out there already screaming about Nick Goody? Nobody's screaming Nick Goody. Joe Elliott. All right, Nick Goody is our guy. Um, well, I haven't said anything yet, but here's here's why Jose Leclerc. Here's why <laughs> Jose down two to one anyway. All right, fair enough. But here's why Jose Leclerc didn't get the job back last year because I owned him everywhere last year is because he was horrible last year and couldn't find the plate and just was a mess until like August. Um, Nick Goody's impressive. I mean, those are it's a great start. You know, let's not. I don't know if we want to plant our flag so fully on Nick Goody, but uh, you know, pretty good start. Fourteen strikeouts, well, six and barrels I mean, to claim him. Nah, all right, whatever. We can take him. Fine. Nick Goody's one of our guys. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. All right. I'll take was it, too. That, that was the end of your analysis? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, yeah, he's one of our guys. So I, two to one, I, I'm sort of like, meh. But I'll go, yeah, all right. We're, we're all in on Nick Goody. We need someone, right? Yeah, we got plenty. We got Darren Ruff. I guess, yeah, you're right. We do have Darren Ruff. We got Chris Davis. We got Randy Aurora's Arena. I don't know. DVR didn't seem so jazzed on Randy. Can, can we next week? There's a guy I would love to discuss. Um, Ronald Acuna. Can you- <laughs> hey, I, I like a Rosarena. Of all the players we talked about today, I think I probably like him the most long term. You seem the least enthusiastic about him. Ah, uh, come on now. I was just trying to be reasonable in my expectations. I'm just worried about the playing time in the short term. I think it's hard to hard to roster him in in mixed leagues. Uh, they don't have a keeper element right now. Just you are not going to believe who my favorite player long term is on this list. You oh, hold will on. not That's believe. Funny, it. hold on. Is it this, Frazier? This, this is Clint Frazier, or is it someone it we is. didn't talk about? It is Clint Frazier. Like if I had to go long term on any of these guys for this, oh, uh, you sure you don't skip number seven? Well, no, Bryce Harper. We didn't actually discuss. He's by far. I'm. A, I'm actually. You know. You guys know. I'm pretty. Pretty high on him. Very high on him. And and you know, um, but. Uh, you know, Clint Frazier, of the guys we discussed, I think Clint Frazier has the best long-term career of everybody. That's crazy I like Frank and Barreto. I'm still a Barreto guy. All right. All right, DVR is a Rosa Reina. This is why. This is why we go to Nick Goody is because we can't agree on anyone else. So Yeah, I'll, I'll take a Rosa Reina for the long-term <laughs> over, over Barreto and Frazier. All right. I'll All take right. Fra- I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll take Frazier ahead of a Rosa Reina and Barreto. All right, we all got to agree to meet back here on March 11th, 2027. And so <laughs> we'll just be doing the show. It'll be fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> just remember, put this in your calendar for March 11, 2027. Yep. We'll remember. I'll All right, remember. Good. All right. Great. Uh, anyway, uh, I think we've, we've gone long enough here. I want to thank everybody for, uh, for listening. Of course, um, if you enjoy us, subscribe review, it would be much appreciated, but uh, you know what? You guys watch Kirby enthusiasm. I shouldn't have said that. We, we would enjoy it very much. Uh, if you do, if you do that, but, um, <laughs> Thanks a lot for the support. Thanks for listening. We hope we're helping you. Next week, maybe we'll actually uh, dive into my guys a little bit. We did that for for the site. Maybe uh, you know we can we can just talk about our guys, the ones that maybe we haven't talked about yet. Like I know we haven't brought up Julio Urias a lot on this show yet. I'm sure DVR has some weird quirks. Uh, <laughs> we can let everyone know how GDD went online instead of in person. Yep. Next week should be fun. That's our last show before the season starts. Hashtag Barry Bonds. If you got questions, uh, if you have more detailed questions, hit us up podcast at theathletic.com and uh, I don't know if you seriously just just to hear about it if you're if you're struggling with uh, with what to do with your live versus online auction drag I'd like to hear how your drafts are doing that that might just be me personally but you know whatever make it work for you uh, for the man who brought you the legend of Marty Decker Ian Kahn <laughs> goodbye my friend see you next week for the man who saved Wisconsin from spreading coronavirus by staying at home this week at Derek Van I promise you guys a brioche French toast recipe while I'm on lockdown. Done.
I'm not an Afino. This is Under the Radar, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. See ya.